0: college basketball lovers here we go again episode 91 week two of the college basketball season and we're just getting started i'm timmy hall evil bald colin is here there's just there's so much going on we're still trying to get up to speed on the entire country in college basketball all the change the turnover, but that's part of what November is because we're going to get some big basketball games where we'll see a lot of good on good, not just high majors beating up on low to mid majors, but even those games, as we saw in Ohio state's first contest, they can be quite challenging. You get a team like Oakland with a head coach who's got 670 wins and 40 years of experience. Those guys gave the Buckeyes fits. They at least came out alive though. What's up CB? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I'm, I'm doing well, Tim. Thanks for asking and uh, it's it's good to actually be able to review some games. And yeah, you you nailed it. Uh, we hear so much about the complaints around the country about the lack of intriguing games to start off the season. Ever since we shifted away from playing games earlier before the Champions Classic, where you get those big matchups, uh, there's been a lot of complaints about that. But I mean, these games delivered. You you get a bunch of teams in their first games against opponents with older guys that can really make outside shots, which Ohio State saw with Oakland. Um, <sighs> were their names Golkey? That's right, and Lampman. And what's funny, Lampman is and Golki. The name you know from the team, Rocket Watts. I don't believe Rocket scored Watts? in the game. I didn't notice him. Yeah, I, I noticed Golki po- and I don't, Lampman. I don't, I don't think he scored. Uh, but yeah, it's these older teams that can really neutralize the game from the three-point line that can really get these teams that are maybe sleeping, or wa- sleepwalking early or aren't fully ready to go and not up to their top speed yet. That's how you g- you pick these teams off.
0: So people know, we said this last week, this will be a very crushable pod. This one will be shorter because Colin and I are are super, super busy dudes here at a sports radio station with the Michigan football story just ready to come down at a, at a moment's notice and the buckeyes of course are going to play michigan state then they'll play minnesota and then they'll have that game on the road in ann arbor and it's crazy but we we pay attention to uh, the sport that we love uh, more than anybody so that's why we we love doing this and that's why we do pay attention and this is going to be the final four episode so we've had one game under our belts and we can tell you with full sincerity, neither one of us had Michigan State. So the Michigan State lost to James Madison <laughs> more on the Dukes in the mid-major flavor after we do our final four portion. But we'll give final fours. So I do want just a a quicker Buckeye breakdown from you. A couple more thoughts on that game against Oakland because we won't have really time to break this one down. We'll break it down next week if the Buckeyes come up with a huge win. But they will be facing a top 15 team on Friday night against Texas A&M what did you what did you like and not like in the one and only performance we've gotten to chew on for the buckeyes
1: i i think it's pretty simple it, you look at the perimeter it's both three point shooting and defending the three i think that was the biggest point and the biggest emphasis on why this game was maybe closer than it should have been or oakland leading later in the game than you were expecting it's because they were making everything and ohio state was not making a whole lot of their opportunities i think oakland shot near 40% from three and I want to say Ohio State was like low 20s, but that's that's a pretty sizable gap, and that's why you can neutralize a game in that fashion. But, you know, I did like to see how the guys came on late, especially uh, Roddy Gale and the freshman Scotty Middleton and Bruce Thornton, all three getting 17 points. It was really even distribution of the game, and it was a lot of guys picking up slack where other guys were maybe not playing as well. There were stretches of the game where Thornton uh, wasn't playing great, but then you had Roddy Gale and Scotty Middleton step up uh, Jamison Battle really provided strong offensive support in the first half. I think it's going to be a more balanced team this year in terms of scoring and input on that side of the, the ball. But defensively, it just wasn't as strong as you'd hope on the perimeter. And that's something they got to clean up against a team like uh, Texas A&M before they played that Friday night game and then yeah. going forward.
0: The Buckeyes didn't get a comfortable two-possession lead until, what, the under-eight timeout? That sounds basketball right. game, so it was very dicey. But I like what you said about you know not everybody kind of being there. Know, at the same time, and really in the first half, didn't we notice that Roddy and Bruce had a shared one field goal, or maybe they each made one field goal? Just not enough. Not enough from a dynamic starting backcourt, which does need to be the backbone of this team. Zed Key clearly has slimmed down, and you can see it. He had some jokes about how when he ran, he could feel the wind through his ears. He's a funny dude. That He's the personality guy, and it was nice to see. It was nice to see three guys that you know especially Zed, who's been knocked down a perch with his injuries and just maybe not becoming that player that we thought we'd see as a fourth-year guy, but to see him hit the glass a little bit when they've going into this game, that's what they were focused on, that they needed to do better as a team is rebound. And then you're right. They didn't play well enough on defense. They didn't defend that three-point line, but they needed to rebound and to see Roddy, Bruce, and Zed all hit 17 spots. That was kind of nice to see. Now you just need the shooting to be there, some of these new faces like Dale Bonner and Mahaffey to not foul and give you something offensively. You got to get that. You can't You can't have these defensive guys that don't do anything on offense. It's basketball. You've got to be able to put the ball in the damn hoop right. on the other end. You can play defense as well as anyone in the world. I don't care if you can't make a freaking layup we got problems. So hopefully that comes around.
1: Yeah. There was just points throughout that entire game where I'm, I, I have the stat broadcast up in front of me. So I'm seeing what statistically is happening while I'm watching it with my eyes. And if you were just watching the stats throughout this game, you're wondering to yourself, I mean, outside of the three-point line, what is Ohio State doing wrong to be in this position? Because they weren't giving up a ton of offensive rebounds in the first half, which was actually really impressive to see how much they were dominating the boards in the first half. It kind of evened out in the second half. Oakland got their opportunities, but even second chance points and points off of turnovers were pretty low for Oakland throughout the game. So I'm just like, was the three-point line that much of a difference maker? But when you watch that game, it really was. (laughs) It was really the big equalizer for for the entire game, and Uh, Maybe it's just one of those nights where your shooting wasn't on and theirs was, and it was just a a perfect mix to have a competitive game. But we'll see going forward. Otherwise, I thought they played a pretty solid game overall. It just, you know, the score didn't always indicate it.
0: All right, that's the Buckeye breakdown, and we will get right to it. This is the Final Four prediction episode. And one of the picks that I'm going to have, there's a dude who just got paid big time here. (laughs) Big time pay. Yes. And the NCAA can't do anything about it, apparently. That's coming up. Our final four picks. It's Mad About Hoops. Pretty, 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 pretty good. I didn't even mean to hit that. My (laughs) finger slipped. But I'll keep Larry David in there because why the hell not? Bounce Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner across the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He it! hit it! He hit it, he it Turner! It. He hit it just inside of half court. Lanes on the other wing. You find oh, it. oh! 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 Sent it in, Jerome! College basketball. This is March Madness. Alright, here we go. Episode 91. So good to have everybody along for this basketball journey. The road to the Final Four. For us, it literally starts right now because that's what we're doing here. We're giving you our Final Four predictions. Now, CB, we've gone back and forth kind of on the rule book for how we give our Final Four picks on this show. I can tell you right now, I've got i got three horses. I can call them horses. And I got one that's sort of off the table. It's a good program, but they're off the table. Three of mine are in the AP Top 25 preseason poll. One is unranked to start, and one's got a really big game too. One's got a really big game on uh, on this Friday where we're recording the podcast. So I'll be looking forward to that one. Actually, I'm, I, I should say two of my Final Four teams are playing each other. That's that's the thing. So let's start that is this. pretty funny. Let's start this off. Let's start with our biggest. Who's who's your biggest? I, I can start because I'm going to go with the number one number one overall team you in the country. You would be first, yes. I'll go with with Captain Moneybags, Bill Self, who gets a nice $53 million payday. Yes, indeed. That's pretty nice. As if things haven't gone well for Bill Self his whole entire run. The NCAA, they've been poking around there for what seems like five years, and they're already past all that stuff. He even had it written into his contract that it couldn't do a thing. So Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks with Hunter Dickinson coming in. They had a pretty easy time in their first game. And again, uh, we'll be talking about these games coming up. But next week, the Jayhawks will have a pretty big one. They're just even losing a guy like Grady Dick. I mean, you you think about Kevin McCullough Jr. You think about Dickinson. You got to look at Nicholas Timberlake and KJ Adams Jr. I love how hoppy he is, CB. They're just, this is a typical Kansas team. DeWan Harris Jr. didn't even score a point in their first game. And you know how good that guy is. Right. Just the engine of the team. So give me the Jayhawks. He had 10 assists. That's the thing. So you like what you get there from your point guard.
1: I am a little concerned with Kansas when it comes to facing teams that are maybe more athletic at the forward position. And when they try to spread you out, especially when you're putting both KJ Adams and Hunter Dickinson on the, floor, on the like, floor at the same time. You don't like
0: Hunter's big man athleticism, huh?
1: I mean, he's got some, but like defensively, that's not really his strong suit. So I'm curious to see how they handle that when they have both of those guys on the floor. I hear you facing I hear you. facing like a like a Baylor team later on. But that's I would just that's the reason why I'm not joining you on that pick. It's
0: not as dire say you know Zach Eady being immovable. Oh goodness, no! I mean, no. He's got a little bit more more mobility than that.
1: Yes, you can absolutely. get out there a bit. I will go with Duke and the reason behind that is kind of my theme when I pick teams that are going to make runs to the Final Four which is I trust their guards and then they've got a star player that I really believe in. Uh, that being Jeremy Roche, the I think he's like in year five or year six the Roche, with the, pro- with yeah. the program. It's getting uh, up to Greg Paulus land. That's there. exactly right. Tyrese Proctor was a uh, I believe a freshman last year. Kind of started off slow but really emerged in his role later on into the season when they were starting to play well down the stretch. Proctor is a guy that's going to be really important and that at one or two guard spot depending on who brings up the ball for Duke and then obviously Kyle Filipowski he surprises everyone he comes back for his second season and should be in the mix to probably win player of the year uh, in, in the nation and I think that's just a team you can probably re- rely on with their depth of their young guys plus uh, the older players with Filipowski uh, Ryan Young the transfer from Northwestern is still somehow has some college eligibility left and then uh, a young guy in Mark Mitchell, who's in, I believe, his second year with the program. So Duke will be my first team. I just, I love John Shire. And I don't know how much
0: you look at the coach, too, but I, I do try to look at the coaches when I'm picking these teams because you're looking for guys that have proven track records of success. It takes a better coach. Of course, you have to have the players, right? And we talk about, usually we talk about the strength in the backcourt when we look into the NCAA tournament. And and that's what we need. We're picking Final Four teams. So we need that four-game run to get there, sometimes having a dynamic big—I mean, who's going to hate that too? It's why you know Kansas having Hunter Dickinson. You mentioned maybe some matchup problems, but overall, you're going to take that. You but got they, a chance, but to get they'll that, get their own on that. the other side too. Yeah, yes, exactly. But I'm also looking for coaches that can get it done. Duke doesn't necessarily have that yet, but there's something I just like about Shire. His story, what kind of player he was—he just—I I lived there and I covered that team when he was a player. And he was just as wise beyond his years as any college player I've ever seen, it, football or basketball. Maybe, maybe a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. in football for Ohio State would be an example of a guy that just seems that far ahead of everybody else, just with how he sees the game and thinks the game and work ethic, that kind of thing. So I think they're in good hands. I think Shire is the
1: guy for which, them. Which is funny because my second team will be the complete opposite, uh-huh. maybe, maybe in recent memory. We'll go out with them then. Let's do Marquette. So, Marquette. No surprise. We're talking about Shaka Smart, who had that great run with VCU. But since then, with his time at Marquette and then previously at Texas, was not very strong in the NCAA tournament. But he's
0: been. He's been there. He's done it before.
1: Beat That's Kansas. Right. That's right. And they bring back a ton of guys. Uh, like I said, Omax Prosper is really the only key loss from last year's team. Uh, is the incredibly athletic uh, forward for this team, playing more of the center position. Cam Jones, who I believe was their leading scorer, returns. Uh, Tyler Kolek, who's going to be in the mix for player of the year. And then they've got some role guys like Sean Jones, the Gahanna kid here locally in Ohio. That's cool. Uh, yeah. David Joplin and Stevie Mitchell. So there's there's some returning talent that really gives me the idea that this Marquette team could just build on what they had last year.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm curious what you think about one of my other final four picks. I'm getting behind... Rick Barnes, you talk about a coach who only coaches orange teams. You go back to Providence at the beginning, George Mason before that, if folks didn't know that he started his coaching career, George Mason for one season in the late eighties, Providence, Clemson, the long run at Texas that you know about. And this very nice resurgence here at Tennessee, where he's already had a 30 win basketball season. He has been to the sweet 16 twice the round of 32 twice He is just looking to bust that door down. And I got to go all the way back to, well, really, uh, 2002, 2003, when he took Texas to the Final Four. So this is a coach, yes, that is really good. He has the wins. He's got almost 800 wins. But I can understand fan bases that have had him. Their teams have always been so good. And they've wanted more. It's kind of what Cincinnati was longing for with Mick Cronin. They were winning a ton of games, but they just weren't advancing in the tournament enough. I mean, we've we've seen that before. But I love the way Tennessee plays basketball. I I just like how they're built. And you take a look at the guys that they've got with uh, with the guards, with Dalton Necht, with, with Jordan Ganey and Josiah Jordan James. They are built tough. They have guys that can shoot. They have guys that can slash. They have a good team, and look, they're they're an AP number nine for a reason, so Tennessee's my second team. I'll hit you with you, – You got a thought. Give me a thought on it. Well,
1: that. I would just say I, I really am intrigued to see, does the scoring progress for Tennessee? We know they're a strong defensive team, but will they have the guys that can score? Now they tried to address it, Ringen and Dalton Connect uh, from Northern Colorado who played really well in that exhibition versus Michigan State. Can they get some consi- consistent scoring from guys like Sakai Ziegler and Santiago Vescovi? Uh, I think they can. And I think they could take the next step.
0: I will tell you this. They're number one in the early Ken Palm in defense. Doesn't surprise me one bit. Yeah. So that's, that's great. I'll go right into my third team. And again, this is a, this is a hotter team. You know, this coach took over and immediately this team was red hot, ranked in the top 10, top five, probably for, for most of these weeks. And they just got to also get over that hump to, to, break through, go back to the Final Four like we're we're used to seeing this program from back in the day, and that's the Arizona Wildcats. You mentioned, uh, or we'll talk about them a little bit later, Caleb Love, Arizona Wildcat. Hasn't been my favorite overall basketball player for things that I look for, but man, is he dynamic. Man, is he hot and streaky. When he gets going, he can that change he a game. You add that to what Tommy Lloyd's gang already is. Tommy Lloyd, who was just... Massively successful as any assistant coach would be, learning under Mark Few. Then he goes on and takes over his own program. And you're seeing that Mark Few really knows what the hell he's talking about because this guy goes down to Pac 12 country in Arizona. And he's fantastic. So Wildcats are my third.
1: Yeah, I I do like Arizona. I'm kind of curious to see how their pieces mix together. They brought in some transfers like Jaden Bradley from Alabama. They got Keisha Johnson from the Final Four, San Diego State squad. You're adding them to guys like Caleb Love. Umar Bala was there, a really good forward for them last season. It's just all about mixing pieces there. And it kind of ties into what my team is for my third team, which is Arkansas. Let's transfer you. All right. So has been hot pick lately. Yeah, I mean, just the amount of guys that they brought in. I mean, L. Ellis, the, really the only solid player from Louisville last season. Uh, Khalif Battle, who was a former Butler guy turned Temple, now a Razorback. You add that with Devo Davis. Tremon Mark, the transfer from Houston. Uh, Travon Brazil comes back from injury. He was looking like a lottery pick before he went down last year. And they have been really impressive so far, both in exhibition play and now in the regular season. Uh, this is just a program under... Uh, drawing a blank on the coach's name. I don't know why. Um, Musselman. Musselman. Eric Musselman. Eric Musselman. Because he's so... Who actually (laughs) took his shirt off (laughs) like a Musselman. Yes, when they got that win last year. Uh, Uh, I'm still
0: uh, mad about it, by the way. 72-71 win over Kansas. Yes. Took the number one team down.
1: But uh, Musselman's been really good in the tournament, and when he's gotten there and he's gotten quality teams there, he makes runs to the Elite Eight and Uh, just needs to push through that door to get to the final four. But I think he's got the squad to do it.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm still mad about it there. And so we got three out of the four here. So final, final four pick to sound like Austin Powers right there. I'm going off the board out of the top 25. But, I mean, hey, we can talk about how embarrassing this little deal is where we can't really bank on a Big Ten team to win the title. I put this stat out here, by the way. Bobby Knight still holds two of the most five recent Big Ten national championships. You believe that? Bobby Knight's got two of them. You got to go all the way back to whatever, 2000, do or we, 01 do for we Michigan count, State. Do
1: we count the Maryland?
0: No. One? Okay, no. Stop.
1: But some people Stop. do, so I
0: just wanted to clarify. Before that, you're at 89 Michigan, and then you've got the two Indiana titles. In between the, I think, 78 or 79 Judd Heathcote, Michigan State. That's the five most recent Big Ten national championships. And Bobby Friggin Knight has two of them. Who hasn't coached in Indiana since when?
1: 2000. 24 years. Uh, I think it was. And now he's dead. Was it 98, 99?
0: I think it was yeah. 2000 when, he got, uh, yes, when the story broke. You're right. When he went man. out of there. It's just nuts, though. So. I I went off the top 25, though. I'm not going to put my eggs in the Purdue basket again. I'm just not going to do that. (laughs) And I'm not going Michigan State here with Izzo. I'm going with something crazy. I got a little – I got a little – got to get a little bit crazy every now and then. And it's Wisconsin. The Wisconsin Badgers. Wow. With a lot coming back. Greg Gard, solid coach. They're always a dangerous team. You always hate playing them because the way they defend, the way they can shoot it. And, like, they're – I, I believe they're close to a top 25 team anyway right off the bat with what they bring back, and very, very big game. Very big game for Wisconsin hosting top 10 Tennessee on Friday night. Wow. Oh, Get to see two of them play each other.
1: Yeah, no, I I don't mind that at all. If you're going to take a big Big 10 team, I like a team that's very well-rounded and brings back a lot of talent from last year, so that's a great call. Uh, I will finish up, though, with a team that – I. They're not necessarily outside the top 25, but a team that I'm kind of hesitant on because of all of the guys they lost in the offseason, but that's Texas. Uh, they, they lost Christian Bishops, Serge Jabari Rice, Marcus Carr, Timmy Allen from that team last year. That's they, a lot. They made a run, and it's a it's a very big loss for a bunch of those guys, but they do add Max Aismas, the guy we know here yes. well from Oral Roberts. Uh, I can't believe this guy is still around. He could have gone there last year. He really could have. But it's, Imagine that team. It's um, it's I think it's an upgrade from what Marcus Carr was, who wasn't very consistent in Man. his time at Texas.
0: Buckeye killer him as well. He
1: was also. But yes, I think Ace Miss will be an upgrade there, adding him into the backcourt with Tyrese Hunter. And then they bring in a forward from, uh, I believe, technically he was with UVA, Virginia, uh, Caden Shedrick. He was a pretty good player at the yeah. end. More than technically, he
0: was from UVA. I think
1: that was right. I was was calling it off the top of my head. But yeah, he was a pretty big contributor at the end of the year for Virginia before they obviously were knocked out early of the tournament.
0: Pretty much a seven-footer too. That's right. Big big dude.
1: But you pair those guys, a bunch of those new guys with guys like Dylan DeSue, who was dealing with an injury at the end of last year, and I think actually at the beginning of this year too, and then Dylan Mitchell was a good part of that team last season. Uh, I could be completely off with this, but I feel like the pieces there with the guard play, I think they have a chance. So we've got,
0: we've got Big 12, we've got Big East, we've got SEC, ACC, one Big Ten there between the eight with the Wisconsin Badgers. So my picks, the Timmy Hall picks, Kansas, Arizona, Tennessee, and Wisconsin, Evil Bald Collin, Duke, Marquette, Arkansas, and Texas. All right, so you don't, even, you don't even need to pick yours anymore because the right ones... Well, just use mine. Collins will be wrong. <laughs> so just go go with mine. I
1: think two years ago I did pretty well, um, but last year was not. It was not good.
0: Yeah. All right. We'll see how they go. I mean, hey, they're here for everybody to continue to listen to as the season goes on. So we'll, uh, we'll do a little mid-major flavor after a quick break. How about it? it? Involved an Ohio team? My goodness. The Kent State Golden Flash is the way they lost this game. Uh, you will not believe it if you did not see how this one went. More coming up here. It's Mad About Hoops. How about the mid-major flavor with, good God, the start, James Madison Athletics right now. Are you kidding me? Their football team and then their men's basketball team goes and starts and beats Izzo's ass on the road? And then I even tweeted this out earlier this week. I don't know a whole lot about, you know, this, this exact Kent State squad before taking a good deep look into them. We know we've been fans of how Golden Flashes basketball of how they play and they got some of their guys back from last year. But for James Madison to go into Kent State, into the convocation center, and then the way this game went last night, let's let's listen to this the way this game went to overtime, where James Madison would pull away a 113-108 win. Fridell, the catch, throws it up, throws it in. <laughs> And the clock runs out all right so that made it 89 87 and the buzzer sounded but the game was not over they reviewed it there's still time left, time left on the clock on yes kent state has to do the inbounds with 1.2 i mean there's a whole 1.2 seconds left i don't know how that much ran off but that's what we do we go back and look at everything in the monitor and just wait to see what happened and an offensive foul charged against Kent State and Reggie Bass. James Madison with a chance to tie or win. So the old offensive foul, right? <laughs> Sets you up with a chance to do the unthinkable and get this one into OT. A three to win it would be a miracle for the Dukes. Again, no threes, no fouls. To send it to overtime or to win it. Edwards, friedell, tie game! Oh, my God. I mean, when you when you see how wide open the layup is to send it into OT, it's just gut-wrenching to lose a game that way if you're Kent State. Up five with under four seconds to go? What are we talking about here? Man, it's like a nightmare of a Buckeye basketball game of recent years.
1: <laughs> it is a Jeez. nightmare. But honestly, between that game and the upset over Michigan State earlier in the week, it's it's a JMU team that's really really hot and really got everything going for them but this is it's been a pretty good program they've competed in the Sun Belt pretty well but yeah you pair that with what the football team's doing it just seems like a perfect recipe for whatever's going on down there in Virginia
0: yeah those Kent State Golden Flashes holiday magic yeah those Kent State Golden Flashes man 113 108 James Madison winds up getting it done in double overtime nothing like a little Mac Sun Sunbelt challenge. I mean, with the Gavit games going away, right, where you've got the Big Ten and the Big East, real, like, big conferences clashing. We need more. We need conference battles. Well, Boy, I was going to really say, ES- you where you
1: ESPN probably needs a fill-in since the Big Ten ACC challenge is over, so this must be the replacement. And I mean, the first night of it seems pretty well for them.
0: Man, it's, it's so great. So, CB, what are you looking forward to uh, to finish this weekend? I mean, we got a lot of good Friday action, which isn't very timely for when people might listen to the podcast. It's it's this early season Friday action. You get week one, and then you get the holiday tournaments, and then you'll rarely have the big schools play on Friday nights. It'll settle into the uh, you know big Saturday or Sunday game and then once during the week. But... What are you looking forward to as we go into week two next week? We already talked on last week's pod about the big Tuesday night that's coming up.
1: Yeah, you nailed it. It's a bunch of games on Friday that have already been played at this point. But Tennessee at Wisconsin's a big one up in the Kohl Center. Uh, you've got Duke and Arizona down and in Cameron Indoor. Just great games and the return of Caleb Love to Cameron Indoor. I can already see the headlines and stories coming Prezona. out of that. Yeah. And he's gonna, he's a great player. He's probably one of the front runners for Pac-12 Player of the Year. My guy. It's, it's going to be fun. It's actually, like you said, a very rare Friday night where you've got all this great action. Because typically we save that when it gets deeper into the season for like the Ivy League schools to go play uh, their road games. But, yeah, it's, it's a great setup. Uh, honestly, it's a good Friday so much so that you've only got three ranked teams playing on Saturday between UConn, Houston, and Creighton. And neither, neither of those three are really playing any, any big games.
0: So, on Tuesday, November 14th, four games for you to circle, all right, ma'am? You know the first two. Number one, Kansas, taking on number 16, Kentucky. Blue Blood versus Blue. That's as blue as Blue Bloods get right there. And their color is blue. So there's that. And then we got a third Blue Blood, whose color is blue, in the same building. And it's not at the Madison – it's not at MSG. But second best thing, it's the house that Jordan built. It's the United Center. And it's the State Farm Champions Classic. It's the big party where these four big schools signed up long-term to play. And they rotate the uh, – that's the 9:30 game, by the way. The Kansas-Kentucky, the, the prime time. So – all the college football fans, right, on Tuesday, that's like we talked about. You stumble into a party where you didn't really quite know what's going on, and you just saw all of a sudden you grab a cup and you're like, oh, okay, the music's nice. It's cool in here. Oh, there's I I some you big the- games going on. This college basketball stuff's kind of cool. And Then Duke and Michigan State is the early one, so that's pretty good for two of them.
1: What if I told you the best game on that night's not even in, in that uh-huh. matchup?
0: So I'm sure this is one that I'm circling, so just go ahead and say Of it.
1: course. It's got to be Illinois hosting Marquette at the State Farm Center down there and Champaign. at uh, State Farm arm everywhere yeah it's a, no i love that game between Terrace shannon jr going against tyler kolik and that squad that marquette has that's gonna be a really big game but i i think if i'm making an early prediction now looking towards tuesday i think marquette will come away with a win just based off of their talent and their starting lineup versus illinois but it's gonna be a really good game
0: did we tell the story about who sat right next to us when we were I had some really good media seats
1: during the the tournament. I believe we did
0: NCAA tournament Columbus, Ohio at nationwide arena, which is one of the most perfect setups for tournament basketball that I've ever seen. And what's great about tournament settings is you do get a a, listen. Listen to this Connor stallions. You get some in-person live scouting, right? You're off campus. You're in person. It's tournament settings. You can go out there to the floor. One shock of smart, sits right next to my left shoulder you're sitting to my right I give you the little shoulder and it's like hey and of course we play it professional what are we going to do start talking to shaka smart while he's right there no but kind of one of those cool moments how he and a presumably a sports information director just sit right there and we saw tyler kolek who you just mentioned player of the year correct last year uh in the big east yes what were your thoughts on him because I understand I don't want to put too much into just one or two performances. I watched the guy play on TV a lot, and I gathered a lot of information about what type of player he was. I I wasn't impressed with his tournament performance. I was hoping
1: for more of a big-game dude to come out and play there. Which is weird because that's what he was all year long, and he was the absolute court general. When you're looking yeah. for those guys that really command a game from the point guard position, Kollek last year, Earned that player of the year in the Big East because of that ability to get the ball. The guys like Cam Jones. Omax oh, Prosper, who was on the team last year. Oh, so Iguodaro, the big forward for the, uh, the Golden Eagles. He was just a really good player doing that and then getting his points where they fit. Um, I don't know if I want to really compare. And it's, it's hard to make a comparison like this to like an Aaron Krauts. But I think maybe not in terms of the scrappiness level of Aaron Krauts. But he tried to model his game a lot and how he played his game as a field uh, court general, but yeah, he didn't have his best couple of games when they got eliminated in the second round to Michigan state uh, in Columbus, as we mentioned, but in general, that's a guy that you're going to expect throughout this year. And he's going to compete again for the big East player of the year, but he's also going to compete for the national player of the year, because if he plays like he did last year consistently, he should be in that mix.
0: All right. So it's double headers on ESPN and Fox sports one on Tuesday, the fourth game, the late one, the other one you should circle nice ball game here, Iowa, on the road at number eight and a final four contender here in our final four episode here where we're making our picks on this pod. It's Creighton. And uh, that's part of the Gavit tip-off games. So that's one of them there. Yeah, that's, that's actually a, a really, great-looking game. That's
1: a really good matchup. Iowa's got some turnover. Uh, Peyton Sanford uh, went off for Iowa in their opening game, but I think they played, like, North Dakota or someone like that, and someone that wasn't very competitive. Uh, Creighton's got a very good team. Trey Alexander stepping up in a key role, scored 20-plus points in their opener. Baylor Shireman's still there. Uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner's going to be, my guess, is the defensive player of the year in the Big East. Back from injury, too. Uh, yeah, and then they add, I believe, Utah State Chancellor Stephen Ashworth, if I'm correct. That's, but that's big. He is the point guard replacing uh, the exit of Ryan Nemhard, who went to Gonzaga. So it's been kind of a at least one game in as of this recording, a seamless transition for the Blue Jays, uh, but they should be at the top half or – Battling for top two, top three, or even the crown of the Big East this year.
0: Well, that's uh, just a quick one for us because, my God, for a couple of guys that work at a sports radio station with this Michigan bullish going on (laughs) with Connor Stallions, the sign stealer and the punishment and waiting around for an entire Friday for that to come down. At the time we're recording this, been waiting all day, still hadn't seen anything yet, but something probably did come down. So it's still a whole lot of fun here as we weave through November for sports radio guys who are also big into college basketball. And I can't wait to see how some of these early season games shake down because, like we always say, they are resume-boosting wins. Go out there and grab them while you can. And thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next time. Colin,
1: have a good weekend, buddy. Thanks, Tim. Enjoy the Champions Classic, and we will be back to recap it all.
0: Before I close it. Uh, if I have the chance, you know, crazy road trips. We didn't really set up a, a Mad About Hoops road trip meter here yet. Okay. But if I could go to Chicago for just one night only, if I could get a free ticket from my cousin or some of my family that that has Kansas connections, would you be so bold to do that if you were me? Even just driving?
1: Uh, I'm off
0: Tuesday. Yeah, that's why I say yeah. that. I'm off Tuesday, I, but I work
1: Wednesday. Wow. I mean right? it it always depends on everyone's schedule and whatnot, but to get the opportunity to see that game. Both games. Or I mean right, go to this whole session. I, I would go if I could go to both games. Absolutely. If I could get the ticket yeah. for
0: free, I think I would do it. I think I would drive and do it, pay the parking, whatever, park close and just come right on back. I would be tempted to do it for sure. Oh man. Texts will be going out <laughs> to the brands, my Kansas buddies out there and out there on the farm. Out there in Olathe, Kansas, just south of Olathe, Kansas, out there on the farm. All right, CB, good stuff, man. And everybody, thank you so much for checking out episode 91. Be crazy like me. If there's a game you want to go to, just go to it. It's Mad About Hoops.